Looking for work? Better pay? Better work environment? We can help. Call Kelly Jobs today at 502-425-7131 to speak with a recruiter today. Score a better job with us. Call 502-425-7131 or visit kellyjobs.com. That's kellyjobs.com. Tired of jumping from job to job? How about a career in a recession-proof industry where you can make a difference and help create a healthier living and working environment? The pest management industry gives you the opportunity to work with more independence. OPC Pest Services will give you a chance to grow with advancement. Come be a part of our team at OPC Pest Services. Apply online at opcpest.com careers. That's opcpest.com careers. For the drive with Mark Ennis, presented by the Fitness Market on 93.9 The Ville. The Fitness Market is Louisville's premier location for home and commercial fitness equipment and electric bikes. Find them online at thefitnessmarket.com. Now here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. Welcome back into the drive here on 93 The Ville, Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. We are happy to be joined once again by the head coach of the Louisville women's basketball team, and that is Jeff Walls. He joins us here now. Jeff, how is, uh, how's everything going, buddy? You doing all right? It's going great. We uh, just finished up a really good day of practice. Uh, get, get, get prepared for a Thursday night game versus a really good Miami ball club. Jeff, where would you say this team uh, has surprised you? And I'll ask you kind of in both directions. At this point in the season, maybe where are they better or further ahead than maybe you thought coming into the year? And then where did you expect them to perhaps be further along and they haven't been able to reach that yet? Well, I mean, it, I, I can't say we're, we're further along in any one area than I had anticipated or hoped for. Um, you know, I, I just think the, the one area that, that we, we, we've got to continue to work on and get better at is just, you know, end-of-game end toughness plays when you have to have a stop, when you got when you got to get a rebound. Um, you know, that that's just the area that we've really been trying to talk talk about, show on film, uh, that we, we've got to come up with those stops. We scored the ball, you know, in that our Notre Dame game, I think four straight possessions under two minutes, two and a half to go in the game and stop them on three of their four shots. But unfortunately, did, didn't come up with the defensive board. There were a couple 50-50 balls that kind of got knocked around that they came up with. Uh, that You know, you, you want to win a game like that, you've got to figure out a way to make that play. I thought our effort was outstanding, but you've just got to figure out a way to put yourself in that position to be able to come up with that. We're talking with Jeff Walls here on uh, the drive on Nine the Ville. Jeff, what was your message maybe to the team after that Notre Dame game? I mean, you you pumped them up, you get, like you just said, great effort, and you lose in such a heartbreaking fashion. Like, uh, I can't imagine having to, to try and address them in some way or another uh, after that game. But what is your message to, to a team uh, in such a, a heartbreaking situation like that right afterwards? Well, no, I mean, it really was and hard to go in and talk to them. I mean, it, it sucks to lose. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what type of game, but, you know, and I'm not into moral <laughs> victories or anything like that because we know we've talked about that. Yeah. You know, so I'm not all about that, but 
it was a great basketball game. I mean, I, I got text messages from people that some friends that, that some some college friends actually don't watch a whole bunch of women's basketball that were just like, you know, we saw your plane turn it on and we actually watched the entire game. It was a great game. You know, went back and forth, had runs on both ends. Um, it, it was a high level college basketball game. I don't care if it was a men's or a women's game. So, you know, afterwards I went in, I was proud of them. I was like, God, we, we competed. We had a chance to win against the top 10 team on the road. And it came down to the last possession. And it was a great shot, you know, by, by Miles. So, you know, I think everybody was anticipating hopefully a double uh, overtime because we executed the out-of-bounds play perfect. Uh, <laughs> Olivia scores on it. But they ran a really nice play, and she uh, may, may, made a tough shot. So it wasn't a one where you're trying to pick everybody up off the floor because it was just a great game. Coach, I, uh, I apologize if I, I messed this question up or didn't hear Mark ask it this way, but – you know, when we played, we had a loss to Notre Dame on the road, and it was our last loss of the season, so we went on to win a national championship. I know you're the guy who says there's no good losses, you want to win every game, but is is there any chance this is one that kind of galvanizes your group for this run down the stretch, that loss to Notre Dame? Well, I, you know, I think it's a game that it, it, there, there's not a good loss, but I think it showed how we're capable of playing. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a Notre Dame team that's ranked 10th on their home court, Uh I thought we handled their, their crowd well. We handled the runs that both that, that that they went on, and you know some things that we that that we did. We executed out of timeouts extremely well. Drew up about four or five things that we haven't run in practice, and we executed and scored, which is encouraging to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it gave us some 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 confidence, and now we know how you have to play at the level you have to play for forty minutes. If you want to have a chance to, to compete and continue, you know, to advance further on come ACC tournament and NCAA tournament. Coach, you have two games left this week. Season Regular season is over on Sunday. At this point in the season, are you looking to add anything? Are you looking to see anything from your team with just a week left and then it's all ACC tourney time, right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's really now about trying to be dialed in as is focused on scouting reports. I just told him before we finished up practice, players aren't changing now. If you're not a three-point shooter, they're not a three-point shooter. You know, if they're a driver, they're a driver. So when we tell you 12 is going to drive it, she's not a three-point threat, you can't close out on her on a ball re- 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 reversal pass. You know, if somebody always a post kid always goes over the left shoulder when she gets it, you got to get on the left shoulder. You know, those are things that we've been really good at here the past past I mean, 13, 14 years, and that's what I've challenged our group with is we've now got to be able to follow a scouting report and perform. Now, you're going to have a kid who's made three threes all year, and all hmm. of a sudden they throw in two. Well, that if, if it happens, it happens. Um, but at the same time, Luke, as you know, I do tell players, I don't care what they, what I have them down on as you know, on the scouting report. If there's four seconds on the shot clock or four seconds in the game, and they're you know they've got the ball behind the three point line, you got to guard them because now they have to shoot it. And when you have to shoot it, the pressure's off compared to there's 18 on the shot clock. There's nobody within eight feet of you. 
you know, and it's like, my, I know I'm not supposed to shoot this, but I'm so open. Yep. Yep. So th- that's where I say you have to be able to know time and score during the game and who you're guarding. I, I, I spot on, Coach. I've been beaten by the one career three pointer that goes in by the big at the uh, at the end of that shot clock. I've lost yeah. on that one too. So, um, have you thought more, or how do you feel at this point in the season, just about rotation wise? You know, we talked on the ACC Network a few weeks ago, and it was Haley Van getting a little worn down, but she's her minutes are still way up there in terms of your offensive flow. What do you want to see? as far as where the shots are really coming from? More spread out, more with your best player, HVL, kind of an Asia Durr situation? Where's your head now? Well, I mean, we're still going to try try, try and get her as, as, as many good looks as we can. Yeah. But I am, you know, feeling pretty good about, you know, the change in lineup just for the fact that it's giving us some points uh, coming off the bench. Liz Dixon has been playing some really good, good basketball of late. Uh, it gives Morgan Jones and Chrislyn Carr an opportunity to see the game before they go out. You know, and I know that might not sound like a lot to some people, but for some kids, it makes a difference for them to be able to house the pace of the game, who's, you know, house the flow of it before they step on the floor. So I think that, that has been good for us. Uh, you know, would I like to try and get Mikasa's and Haley's minutes down? Of course I would. But, you know, we do a D-chart after every single game. And what that means is we evaluate, did you get scored on? And if you give up 20% or less, you're in the green, which is good. Anything between 20 and 35, you're in the yellow. Anything after that is red, and that's bad. For 95% of the games, Haley and Macasa are in the green. And what's so, yeah? Well, well, I was going to ask more on that. Like, what do you? What's your go-to if you're watching film with somebody and they're in the red or they're in the yellow? What, what's the? I guess immediate, and then what do you want to see? Kind of weeks building on those. What's your drills you're getting into to to kind of get them to the to the green? Really? Well, it, it's just trying trying to get them on the floor for as many reps and practice, and then understanding. Like, you know, there's some things that. You can give up, and the way we do our charting, you might give up, you might give six points on one possession because there may have been three of them on defense that did not do their job. You know, if I don't rotate over, well, that counts against me as well as Mm. the one who who got scored on. Right. So it's empirical, but it gives you the opportunity to show players. I'm just not blaming it on you, and then there's some possessions we don't give a point to anybody because you just made a tough shot. I can play great D and you score, and I'm not going to tell you that's bad defense. So I, I don't give anybody a point on that one. Mark, I'm so, going to let you hit this right after, Mark, but how many of your mistakes or when, when your girls are in the red are scouting report, not paying attention to that, versus just the extra efforts? Oh, I'd say the uh, the scouting reports, it's, it's about 50-50. Yeah. You know, when we put down, she drives left, and you and you let her drive left and score. That's where the problem comes into. Now, if she drives right, right and score. I'm not giving you two points. So Haley and Mikasa are by far the best two that we have consistently at the defensive end of the floor when it comes down to grading throughout the game. So I've got to get a few more to to, to give me some of those minutes so I can take those two out. 
because that's just the one area that we're not as strong at this year as we have the past 14 years. Hey, Jeff, I know you, you kind of lit into them after the Wake Forest game uh, about you know kind of a litany of things, and they've played a lot better since then. But just sort of in the day-to-day, what's been your sense of maybe how they – how they handled that, and and I suppose the messaging was perhaps even worse for them directly instead of just what we heard uh, post game and that sort of thing. But so your your overall feeling about how they've responded to you being pretty harsh on them after the Wake Forest loss? Well, I mean, it, we, we we speak truth here, you know. So I took the, so, some blame for that too. I said, guys, it's on me too. I didn't have you prepared to play. Uh, but we don't. I'm, I've never been a big fan of sugarcoating things because you're not helping prepare them, not only for basketball but for life. You know, if you keep telling somebody "good job, good job" and they're really not doing doing a good job, you're really doing them a, a disservice. Yeah. So we we were just upfront and honest that if we don't get better, guys, it's not looking too good. You know, we let we knew the kid was a scorer. Jewel Spears is a scorer, and we let her score. And those are things we normally don't do. You know, and it's not like she was making some crazy shots. They were open shots. So we talked about that. We addressed it. And they want to win. It's one thing I'm going to tell you. The players want to win. Nobody's out there trying to miss a shot. Nobody's trying to get beat. But it's a matter of your mental approach to it. Are you really prepared for it, prepared to play? So we've gotten better at that. But we can still improve on it. Yeah, that that's great stuff. And Mark just sent me the message, but the we speak the truth here. I love it, Coach. I love it. Um, how has the the schedule this year prepared you for the ACC tournament and the NCAA tournament? Obviously, the Texas, the Ohio State, but the the league just has so much depth in the ACC. How do you do? You prioritize the ACC tournament any different than you have in years past? And then just mindset wise, again with with the season ending on Sunday or the regular season. How do you kind of prioritize this time and then getting ready for the tournaments? Well, we're sitting here right right now. We're obviously, I mean, it's a it's kind of a log jam. I, I mean, anybody can win this league right now, depending on what on what happens in a few games. It's not like someone has a three game lead where it doesn't matter. You already know who the one, two, and three seeds are. We could honestly finish anywhere. I mean, between third or second and sixth. If we win these next two games, uh, that's going to put us at whatever we are, 12 and uh, 6 or whatever our record. I don't even know what our record is right now. Um, but if we win these next two, we can be tied with uh, Virginia Tech, which we have the tiebreaker because we – I mean, they have the tiebreaker with us, but Florida State we have the tiebreaker against. So there's just scenarios where there's so much to play for because of seeding. And then with the ACC <laughs> tournament, you know, it could be if, if you're not a top four seed, it's four games in four days. Yep. You know, is that ideal for us? It's probably not. Uh, that's where I'm going to need some kids to step up so I'm not having to play Mikasa and Haley for 38 minutes. Because at four games in a row, at, at the, that's a toll on a body. Yeah. So, but at the same time, I learned a lesson from from last, last year. year when I took the kids out. Yeah. That, so uh, you have to make sure you win first. That Miami game must be. Uh, you don't need to circle that one on the calendar, then, huh? No, no, no. Our kids are quite aware of what took place, but yeah. you got to tip the hat to them. You know, it's not like we 
Miami made some tough shots. Jeff, last one uh, before we let you go here. You were just talking a little bit about kind of making sure that your own team understands that you know by the end of the year these these teams like we kind of know what they're going to be and it makes paying attention to scouting report that much harder or that much more important that sort of thing. But I mean, I'm sure there's things that you still expect and want your team to get better at. How how do those two sort of make sense? The teams sort of are what they are right now, and if so, how do you still harp on and, and get improvement in certain areas from your team between now and the end of the year? Well, I mean, as a team, you you can definitely continue to improve, and that's all along the execution line. You know, mm. setting and using a screen. How how do you come off a ball screen? Are you getting hit on screens? Those those things can all improve. You know, and we're working on them on, on them daily. But what I'm talking about is like you're not going to ch- at this time of the year you're not changing the scatter report. You're not all of a sudden going to go from not being a three-point shooter to a three-point shooter, you know, consistently. So that's what we we talk about. Now, can we get better? Yes. And have we continued to improve? I think we have. Um, you know, for us, we, we've got to continue to be patient at the offensive end. You know, if you don't have a, a good, quick shot that's early and, you know, a good one, then get the ball reversed. Use both sides, sides of the floor and make P, P, people guard it. You know, CC shooting the ball really well. Haley's scoring. Cox is, you know, she's averaging about seven to eight, eight assists a game since I put her in the starting lineup at the point guard spot. Uh, Marissa Russell has, has come off the bench for us the past, past few games and played extremely well. So it's been encouraging because we're getting some kids that are, step, are stepping up. Now what I've got to have is just some consistency to know what I'm going to get. Because I've said in the past, guys, you know, the the, uh, the, the uh, coach I worked with my first few years and Paul Sanderford, who's in the Hall of Fame, told me, because if you're a good team, you got three kids, you know what you're going to get every single night. If you're a really good team, you got four. And then if you're a special team, you got five. Where you know when you look at that stat sheet, at the end of the game, here's what they're going to do. You know, and that's our struggle right now is we've been fortunate to have some kids step up, but it's, it's the consistency part that we have to continue to work on. Well, Jeff, we appreciate you making time for us. Uh, as always, man, good luck uh, this week, the last week of the regular season. We look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. I appreciate it, guys. And if we could get – you've got M- 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 Mikasa, you know, yep. who's a senior for us, and we got five others, Enrico Kono, and then some transfers. But Koss is – you know, been in this program for five years, and it, she epitomizes exactly what I think our program stands for. And I hope we we, we get a huge crowd out here for these next two because, you know, unless we can win these next two and roll off four or five in the ACC tournament, uh, it, our chances of hosting are not very good for the first two rounds. So this very well could be the last two home games for these kids, and I hope we can get a great crowd out for that. All right, Jeff, we appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Coach. All right, Jeff Wells, good stuff from him, Lou. Yeah, you were loving that, weren't you? Loving that conversation. Somebody texted in and said he's such a good interview. He is so good, uh, especially once you can kind of get into the weeds about what a coach's Mm -hmm. mind is really chasing. Um, Love the the line about we speak truth here. You know, oh, me too. Coaches and coach speak. You know, we don't love that kind of stuff. Uh, we we love the who's going to call it straight and and really hold their players accountable and I've said this plenty of times but Jeff Walls is somebody I would have played for 
for sure. And then I like the send-off too, right? These last two games, you've got players that have been on this team for a long time that have given so much to the university and to their program. You know, that that's the, the type of reception these girls need for the last two games is the type of reception we got uh, at the Clemson game for, for our team from back in the day. They have uh, a lot of blood, sweat, and tears, so I hope it's a rocking atmosphere. And I just... I just don't see any way possible that that Notre Dame game, the last game of the regular season Nuts. on Sunday, is not absolutely crazy. You, you know, thinking about Jeff and his approach with the team and, and Kenny and a little bit of his approach you know, with the team, I feel like Kenny's entire demeanor and tone and everything has changed a lot uh, over the course of this year for the better. But it's really not a whole lot different, Luke, than being a parent, which you will, if you don't already – you will see very soon. Uh, the, the kids crave like the 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 no side also. You know, the, the being want to see what they can get away with, right? Well, it, it, because it actually gives them some security. They know somebody's paying attention. They know someone else is not going to let something dangerous happen or get out of hand or what have you. And they're helping you when they tell you you're going to hurt yourself if you do that. Right. This is going to happen if you do that. Or if you're not careful about this, this is going to happen. Like, that's the person that actually loves you. And it applies in an analogous way with coaching as well. Like, you can't just be all positive all the time. Someone's got to tell you, hey, if you don't keep doing that, we're going to lose all the time and you're out of here. Like, someone's got to do that at some point. I think Kenny has done more of that throughout the year. Jeff, he's pretty experienced at it. Yeah, that's uh, he's, not, he's not learning on the job in any way. But, you know, how do you know where the line is unless you cross it once or twice? Sure. And I, I think your point about that's how you gain more freedom. As long as I stay in this box or as long as I don't cross that line, I can pretty much be myself. And, and uh, I think that's a great thing, too. That's how players get better, right? Like I've, I've said it a million times. You, for coaches, they have to have kind of the, the foundational aspects of what their program is going to be about. What they're non-negotiables, right? Yes, the non-negotiables. That's it. You have to you have to know what your identity is, and he had, does such a good job of giving that freedom and flexibility inside the structure. Uh, again, Jeff Wall is just a great interview, and I could sit there and talk hoops and mindset and how you approach the end of the season and the tournament and all that stuff. I could just do that for days. Well, let's take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, we'll take uh, your, you guys your phone calls uh, and texts on the other side. And Luke, I want to talk about. Uh, the 2013 celebration. You and I yeah. haven't had a chance to talk about that at all. For sure. Uh, so I want to do that uh, on the other side here. On the drive on I Thunderville. Metro College is a program that helps students pay for tuition. And I didn't believe it. You have to work third shift, five days a week. It's a great and rewarding thing when you graduate. I would do it all over again, just like I just did. You know those buddies who magically become medical professionals when you're not at the top of your game? The ones who say, come on, muscle through it. But then also say, hey, you should probably see my specialist. Or surgery or pain meds. It's almost always false, false, and false. Athletico's physical therapists, the same therapists who work with professional athletes, can tackle those little aches and pains from the start before they become big ones. So next time, don't believe everything you hear. Instead, start with Athletico. Schedule your free assessment at athletico.com. You're listening to The Drive, presented by Fitness Market, right here on 93.9 The Ville. Now, here's Mark Ennis and Luke Hancock. 
Welcome back into the drive here on 93 on the Bill. Mark Ennis, Luke Hancock. The phone lines are open. 8150-939-3831-939 for the uh, UPS Jobs text line. You are welcome to hit us up that way and interact with us uh, if that works better for you. Luke, obviously we had this weekend the big uh, 10-year celebration of your national championship team. You, big part of that, obviously. Uh, And I've been dying to hear some of your, your thoughts on both the game and uh, the day as a whole, the the whole the whole ordeal. Man, that's uh, I could go on for about the rest of the show if you tee it up that way. Um, first, just uh, the the reception from the community. You know, not that I was nervous. Um, that's definitely not the right word, or not how I was feeling, but maybe some form of trepidation that things weren't going to be what we hope. You know, anybody who wins a championship and they put in the blood sweat and tears and the time energy and effort that we did you want to come back and and celebrate those accomplishments and we're not you know naive to uh, some of the perception out there like you know there's some people who probably just don't want us to come back and uh, for us to feel the love from so many people in the community was so great Um, and that started with Josh Hurd and then trickled down to Kenny Payne and so many people uh, involved, whether it's Stephanie over there with the team, or Kenny Klein, or uh, Brad Barber. There, there's a million people. I actually want to stop now because I'm going to miss people I, that I want to thank <laughs> because the experience this past weekend was a ton of fun. I feel like I needed it. I feel like my teammates needed it. Um, and, and going to practice and then getting to talk to those guys and going to the reception and just have a, a few minutes to just let loose, tell stories, see some of the guys and their families um it was just really special uh, you know kind of from beginning to end and the ending with uh the way these guys came out and played against Clemson was you know what a cherry on top right and then we got to go down to the locker room and just just tell those guys man we appreciate the effort uh, we knew it was in there and so that you know for them to bring it like that against that kind of team uh was really special and even you know, I, I've obviously covered the ACC for a few years now with the network, but even Brad Burnell came up after the game and, and was really friendly and nice to me. And that's tough to do in a loss, right? But he was, uh, you know, he does things the right way as a humble guy and, and was still really, uh, really nice to us after the game. So the experience was fantastic. Um, I, I'm going to let you direct where you want to go after that. But, you know, everything from showing up to that first practice, and, and I'm sitting next to Jim Price. I don't know how many Louisville fans know the name Jim Price, but he played about 50 years ago. And he was a senior on Denny Crum's first team at the University of Louisville. Mm. And there's been so much talk about, you know, Kenny Payne's a you know, first-year head coach. How can we put him in this position? Well, hearing stories from a guy like Jim Price, who was a senior when Denny Crum comes in, to be a head coach for the very first time at the University of Louisville, and he takes them to a Final Four – in a season where there were only 16 teams that went to the NCAA tournament, because at yeah. that time, obviously, you still had to win your conference tournament, he still remembers scores, players, situations. I mean, talking about his experience of, of being in a tie with Memphis State and playing their playing game in Nashville and just how the game went and different aspects where their, their matchups are against certain players are going against a 1-2-1-1 zone and how they attacked it and how Denny Crum coached and some of those little things. Like, even having the older guys come back and want to be a part of the whole thing in some capacity made it really special. I think Kenny Payne, for whatever reason, with the animosity over different 
I guess, generations of players. The fact that KP has, is trying hard to bring us all together, it's just it means a lot to me and it means a lot to our teammates, my teammates. Well, I'm, look, I'm glad that you guys felt like it was worthy of you, you know, because I think it's hard for any of us to truly convey like how beloved that whole team is and you guys as individuals and the team as a whole. Uh, so I was, I understand what you were kind of getting at at the beginning there about being, just being worried that whatever, for whatever reason that the celebration might not be what you kind of hoped it was. Cause you only get to celebrate the 10 year anniversary one time. Right. Right. I understand uh, being uh, concerned about that. And I'm glad that it, it didn't land that way with you guys. And I was very glad for the, for the players on the team now to see it fleshed out for them. Like this is, this is really what it's like at Louisville, and this is how you'll be treated 10 years from now when you do what these guys did. And, and more than that, like play the how of how you guys did it too. It wasn't just that you won, but like there was an identifiable style. And there was uh, understand like we're all going to be insane in support of you guys who are going to play at crazy energy levels and, and intensity and all that sort of thing. Like I thought it was good for them to get to see – full yum center that's crazy loud in support of louisville playing a certain way and then they went out and they and they, they kind of played that way it was good it felt like it was good for everybody yeah i mean from really going to practice and seeing them going through things and you know there were a lot of people in attendance there weren't as many players as i would have liked just because travel schedules guys are are living in different places and a lot of them are still playing um you know they, they all couldn't be there but getting to watch practice and then sit down with the team for a minute and KP asked some questions for our team and, and some of the guys asked questions for our team just like differentiators what separated you all what was your mindset like why do you think your team was was successful like that and um and they they really cared they really wanted to know they really you know they they really appreciated part of the tradition of Louisville basketball which you know me Mark we've done this yeah. a long time like I love it. I love sitting there and just hearing stories from some of these older guys, just d different tournaments, different games, different rivalries, different experiences. It's like my favorite thing to do. And so to have these guys kind of embrace us, show us a lot of love, want to know what made you guys different, and then go out there and bring it full circle and compete the way they did for the entire 40 minutes, it just was such a cherry on top. It was so much fun. Um, the reception was was a lot of fun, but the few guys that were there and their families were there. We just got to hang out, coaches, uh, current coaches, uh, a lot of the former players, a lot of a lot of staff and AD and stuff like that. But um, t full circle to turn around and get to go down early uh, to the Yum Center to hear from you know whether it was Rick Patino or Gorgie or whatever calling in. Um, it, it just made it all really special. It was like one great thing after another, really. What did you, what was your answer to that question, if you don't mind me uh, asking you? You know, if someone asks you, you know, what did make you guys different? What was special about that 2013 team? Where, where What's your answer to that? I'm kind of curious what, how you would verbalize what made you guys special the way that you were. Well, um, you know, we were in the, the circle, I guess, where, you know, the players were asking some questions, and I, I don't feel like I want to – 
sure. you know, mess that circle up. But I will say this, you know, what made our team different and I, the context of the question is why I'm not going to like dig in, but sure. some of the players asking about like, why were you guys successful? And then me being able to turn around and say, man, in practice right there, when one team's up two to 11, I don't hear anybody, you know, I don't hear anybody screaming and yelling and, and fighting and, you know, the guys that were down, you know, it just was like, all right, we got to get back on defense because that's the next drill. And I told these guys, man, your competitiveness has to come out, not sometimes, not for part of practice, but the whole time. And you need to be competitive with everybody that's on your team for whatever drill. If you're two on two, you and that one person. If you're five on five, you and those four other guys have to compete like it's life and death. And I think that's what made our team great is that we had two or three at every position that could battle and fight and compete. And we had guys that hated to lose. I know why. If I'm down 2-11, to 11, when we're jogging back on defense, as they're setting up the next play, I'm not quiet. You know, I'm, I'm yelling at guys, man, why are, why are we down? You're not locking up. I'm on this side. Where's our help? What's the next play? What's our focus got to be? And as I'm telling these guys, like, compete in every second of every drill until it becomes normal to compete at that high level and that's how you really grow that's how you come together too because you find out when everything's on the line who's really going to step up and who's going to have your back and I think they they like embrace that and I think some of the leaders in particular because Jalen Withers and LL is coming up afterwards and just having a you know a 10 five minute conversation with me about hey man approach approach certain situations like this you know, don't let your teammates not strive for perfection and not strive to dominate every drill. And I, I mean, I'm not patting myself on the back, but I do think it kind of gave them an extra spark. And then the energy, the fans is what put them over the top and helped them believe, hey, we can do this for 40 minutes and we can win. Where do you think that they players lose that sort of thing? Like, I, it can't be that you standing up there and celebrating a national championship are like the first people that have ever told them that they've got to practice hard or that this is the the fruit of lots and lots of unseen things that we did really, really hard with intensity every time without a lot of praise, you know, for it outside of the games, you know, themselves. Where, like, where do you think players ever sort of get to the place where they don't think that that's the case and that you've got to sort of fix that? Where do they lose it, you think? I don't know if you lose it as much as it's supposed to be like honed with every level you go to, if that makes sense. Like when you're in high school, every one of these kids is an absolute stud. You know, I was I was probably the lowest ranked recruit on our team and I was pretty good in high school. Like I could get away with not playing great defense, not being in a stance, you know, not chasing around screens. Right. You, When you're bigger and more athletic than the guys you're playing against, you can make up for it just blocking shots or you know, just being quicker and bigger and stronger. And I think what you have to do every level that you go up is realize that everybody is just as big and strong and fast as you are at the next level. And what can you do well? And what are your weaknesses? And then how do you, how do you hide and accentuate those? Right. And so I don't think that these guys have ever lost anything like that. I just think, you know, not having the veteran presence that's one and knows how you have to approach day in and day out practice all the little things that go along with that, I think that these guys just haven't been in that situation quite enough. And so I think, 
you know, it's on guys like L. Ellis and Jalen Withers to say, I have to be a leader for whoever is on my team at that at that particular drill and make sure that we're not just doing things kind of halfway to get through the drill, but we're doing them right and we're doing them with a level of desperation or intensity that's going to help us win games. And so I, I don't know, Marty, that's a tough question to answer. Um, I don't think these guys have lost it by any stretch, but I think the consistent max effort maybe hasn't been there in practice from start to finish, but you certainly see a lot more of, and I asked everybody who I, I've seen through the months here about practice early on and practice now, and every single person said it's dramatically better. KP's still doing a lot of coaching, a lot of stopping, a lot of, hey, I told you to do this. This is where your focus needs to be. But it's, it is dramatically better. I think their, the mental side of them looks a lot better, uh, Luca. And I mentioned it even last night in a losing effort in a game where they ended up losing by 17. I felt like, this, like the, the place where they looked the most different to me is they would consistently fall down 15, 16, run it back up to 9, and couldn't ever really push past that point, but never let it just completely snowball away from them like we have seen them do more than once yeah. this year. I do think that this just felt like kind of a run-of-the-mill. This team has a lot better and more of players than you do, uh, but that Louisville sort of played hard without stopping the whole game and isn't good enough to overcome run-of-the-mill mistakes that they're making as a team. I just – I'm happy with, with sort of what I think I see developing day by day, game by game, compared to the beginning of the year in terms of just sort of being able to mentally stay in the game because there certainly were stretches where we saw them do that or check out a lot this year. Yeah, I mean, it, everybody always says the cheesy line, like it's a game of runs, right? Like your runs can happen in games, and when you, when you get hit, you got to be able to say, like, what do we have to focus on? What's the next play? Where does our in- intentionality and focus need to be? And I think these guys just didn't really understand that it's not like you can go out there without a plan and just figure it out, right? You have to be a together group. You have to be on the same page. You have to do all of the little things, sprinting back, boxing out, you know, being in the right place on the defensive end. And I think that they really didn't grasp or didn't necessarily believe, hey, if we do these things, coach is going to get us a game plan that's going to help us win. And they just seem to have the conviction that if we play as hard as we can, we're going to be in a position to win. And again, I go back to all the games this month. How many – I know they, they only have one win, right? Or two wins, excuse me. But they've been in a position to win all but one game. And I think that's what's kind of given them the confidence of like, hey, man, the work that we're putting in, if we just do a little bit more, we have a little bit more focus, we go a little bit harder, we're going to be in an even better position to win. I think they're – I mean, it sucks that it's this late, right? But they are starting down the stretch here to realize, hey, we can compete. Let's get uh, Kathy in here. And if you would like to follow Kathy, you're welcome to do so. 8150-929. Kathy, welcome into the drive on – Thank you. Um, I didn't get to hear the uh, the celebration or the reception for the players on Saturday because I was doing something else. Is there any way that I can go to YouTube or something to hear it? And, um, Luke, I understand that Gorgie and 
Russ were the only two that weren't there. Um, is are most of your teammates either playing or still coaching? And I can remember that team that Jim Price was on. There, mm-hmm. I saw them play. Uh, I lived. I lived in Wichita, and, of course, Wichita State was in the same conference. But I remember Al Vilcek and Mike Grosso and Mike mm-hmm. Lahan and and Jim Price and mm-hmm. Henry Bacon. and Well, I can go on before them. But anyway, um, uh, I was just wondering, on your team, Wayne Blackshear was one of my favorites. And... I think that he got a lot of malign lining from the from the press, and I know he was an all American and I just wonder if you comment what is he doing now is he still um is he still playing ball somewhere and professionally or how many of your teammates are still playing professionally, and is Gorgie still in the n b a or is he somewhere yes. else? And I'll listen to you on the air. Thank you. Thank Thanks, you, Kathy. Go ahead, Luke. You want you want to answer any of those? She's still in the uh, uh, Gorgie is still in the league. He is still in the NBA. Gorgie is still in the league. Montrez is still in the league. Uh, Peyton was playing in Australia. Russ is in Italy. Uh, Wayne Blackshear, I believe, is just retired. Um, has, has a baby. Is living in Orlando. He was in quick, and then he actually had a six a.m. flight out on Sunday, which. I know it was not fun because he was at my house way too late. Um, <laughs> who else we got? Um, Shane's not playing right now, uh, but could be soon. Um, Kevin Ware was one, and we thought we would see, but I did not see him uh, over the weekend. Would have loved to have seen Kev. Um, Peyton's obviously back. I'm trying to think. Kevin's playing overseas, is he not? He is, as I as I understand it. I know some of like become like a Jordanian citizen, like yeah. dual citizenship, so that he could play in a league or something like that. Well, he did play uh, on the Jordanian national team. Yeah. So I know he's got some uh, some family ties uh, somewhere along the lines there, but certainly playing pro basketball uh, still. And um, I'm not sure who else. A lot of the guys that were walk ons or got into coaching. Um, you know, Logan Bauman. Um, is living in California, so is uh, Travis. Uh, Casey uh, has been Casey McRae has had McRae feed. His family just uh, decided to to sell that business. Uh, Walker Price is still in town. So managers, players, there were tons of guys that were were still around the program. Um, they, they came back and just wanted to be a part of it all, and it, it was it was really great. It was really great. Well, look, I, I look, I think that you there you can make a case that celebration was as cathartic for us as it was for y'all you know and i was kind of curious what you thought of the banner because i was i had my reservation i understood why they did what they did and why it couldn't be exactly what they what any of us would have wanted uh the limitations that it actually represented progress all that stuff but i still was like man it's gonna look dorky (laughs) but i gotta tell you it didn't i didn't think it did no I, i um I was unsure how it would look. I made a little joke to uh, Josh Hurt because we had to sit down and talk at practice. But I said, this better not be like a little tiny banner that you're hanging in the corner that nobody can see, right? And he's like, no. 
Um, and then he kind of went into the whole process and how they, they got to the point of, of being able to even hang that. Um, it's, it's something that the university has tried before uh, to get permission from the NCAA to put it up. Um, and, and it was, they basically said no. And so, um, you know, Josh Heard mentioned he, he had some Villanova ties. They have banners that are hanging for vacated wins. Uh, we talked about that, uh, that line in 1990 um, where they got to recognize yeah. things and then after the fact they don't. Uh, so it was an interesting process to hear about, but ultimately the university is, has been fighting and is still fighting for us to be recognized. Um, nobody knows what's going to happen in the years to come, but you know, I, I do know at least that the university's hands have been tied, especially with the men's basketball program and kind of, you know, picking at the NCAA for different things. It, they've had kind of a tough go. If it were up to me, you know, I'll say it, I would hang it up and I would ask for some level of forgiveness. And if the NCAA tried to do anything drastic, I would sue them. You know, that that's what I would do. Um, th- their power is going down and down. They don't want to be uh, in arbitration or court constantly. No. So th- that that's what I would do. I know the university doesn't have the kind of cut and dry, easy decision like that. But ultimately, we were really honored with what they put up. Um, we know that they worked for us. We know that they wanted to celebrate us. We had a great weekend. So I, I thought it was incredibly positive. Um, do I want it to look just like 80 and 86? Yes. Do I think that'll happen someday? Yes. Am I disappointed with what's up there? No, not really. Not not with where we're at right now. Yeah, I think they did good with it. It didn't look different. And I guess I felt like you dummy to myself. Like I don't know why I thought it would just look totally different, but they did a good job making it just look like one of the banners uh, that, that was up there. And I thought it was pretty smart of them to go ahead and tell everyone about this you know, beforehand and not do like just an unveiling. But like, yeah, this, we're just going to have that one up there. They deserve that. I thought that was the best way to handle it. Because if they had had like a big like unfurling and we're all going to shine a spotlight on it and everything, I don't know how well that would have gone. But doing what they did, I thought it worked. Me too. Me too. And, um, yeah, like you said, to to have it up there in the right spot and maybe not have the exact wordage that we want, but 2013 is up there. You know, for me – I don't know if if maybe a Kentucky fan or a Michigan fan wouldn't want this, but like, is anybody gonna hate on the fact that after I I played basketball for as long as I did and was a part of this team, like, just the fact that I want my daughter to be able to walk into the Yum Center someday and look up and say, "Hey, that's the team that you were on." Like, you know, why why does the NCAA or anybody else want to say no? He shouldn't be allowed to have that. You know, let let your competitiveness get to the side if that's what you think. I mean, people are still on Instagram and social media saying, oh, you guys didn't win in those games, and Michigan's the real champion. And I'll tell you this. I saw some pictures from the 10-year union for Michigan's team. They didn't seem near as excited or happy as we were. <laughs> I don't know them for a fact because I wasn't there. But they just weren't as excited as we were. And if you gave them like the, hey, you guys really won the championship, who would be excited for that? Like, as a competitor, as an athlete, if we were in reverse situations, like, I, I don't want you to change what's on my ring. I don't want you to change what's on the banner. It just doesn't make sense. Like, not just us, but let these teams recognize champions, you know, outside of some crazy circumstances. Hang the banner, man. Yeah, I understand, you know, Luke, getting out of the IARP unscathed and wanting to just keep a little bit of a low profile for now. Uh, I get that. And I'm not talking in like the 
Dana O'Neill's stupid tweet sense. I just mean not wanting to necessarily be antagonistic towards the NCAA for a short time. I get that. But I agree with you. I, this is not the last time where they've put something up there for, for 2013. And I, I have a feeling the time is coming soon when all of these just sort of ridiculous kind of symbolic gestures that don't actually mean or accomplish anything are, are relics of And we'll kind of look back on it and be like, oh, I can't believe we ever did that. Yeah, and and just like the way that they've told on themselves more than anything, and their their process is obviously flawed. But the fact that they put the IRP in place, it gives them none of the results that they want. And actually, the the NCAA looks like a joke through that. They're like, oh, that was that was not a good idea because we're obviously doing things incorrectly. Like that to me, they're realizing the I guess the the wrongful ways they've been doing things over the last few years. So look, I, I was. Uh, I was happy with the way it looked, how the game went, how, you know, I thought about last year, the the number of people who were just uh, furious or or worried about being furious that the football team messed up Lamar Jackson day. And and I I had the same fears. I was like, man, there's been so much kind of angst already about this season. If they go out there and just going to blow it on the 10th anniversary of 2013, people will never forgive them. Uh, for that, and I'm I'm so glad uh, that they that they played and and got to experience what that place is like, but also that there wasn't something that we'd have to forget how the game went on the day when they honored you guys because you guys deserve that. Well, man, I appreciate it. I don't think it could have gone much better. You know, the response from the team just again put the cherry on top. They went out there and battled and meant a lot to us. The environment meant a lot to us. The fans meant a lot to us, and so it was really fun to go back and celebrate. Mark, you got to uh, reset a little bit. I know we're getting up to the 5 o'clock hour here and a couple texts to get into when we get back. Uh, but uh, reset that mic, Mark Ennis. This is The Drive on 93.9.